Hey folks, my name is Ike Morgan and we are down in Alabama. Now, we're literally down in Alabama covering as much news as we can from Lookout Mountain to Mobile Bay. And Down in Alabama is also the name of our show. We spend about three to five minutes daily going over a handful of news and culture stories that are a mix of the top stories and maybe the most overlooked stories and sometimes just the most Alabama stories of the day. Now, there's not a strict definition of what the most Alabama stories of the day are, but you know them when you see them. So y'all come on by and give us a listen and bring a sense of humor because we take the news seriously, but not ourselves. The show is called Down in Alabama, and we're available wherever you listen to your podcasts. For AL.com, I'm Ben Flanagan. This is Outbreak Alabama, stories from a pandemic. With me, it was just this constant ill feeling with uh, just not feeling good about yourself and all this kind of stuff. And that's definitely something to consider. So when people say this is just a light flu or a bad cold, I mean, it's not, that's not accurate. I mean, it's worse than that. It really is. Today, we hear from AL.com reporter Chris Harris, who has covered the coronavirus impact on Alabama from Mobile. Chris recently tested positive for COVID-19. He's 36 years old and doesn't have any underlying health conditions. So he says he's never really felt anxious about catching the virus. He's an active reporter, always ready to hit the ground running, even during the pandemic. Hey folks, uh, this is Christopher Harris for uh, AL.com here from uh, the Cotton Bayou Public Beach in in Orange Beach. Um, As some of you know, the beaches are opening up at 5 p.m. It's about, what time is it now? About... We're about 20 minutes out from the beaches being completely opened. Um, He's been to the beaches, inside barber shops, and in the thick of the George Floyd protests, trying to tell the stories of those impacted by it all. So he understands the risk, but actually doesn't think he caught it on the job. Thankfully, Chris is feeling better now and is awaiting his latest test results to be back in the clear. I spoke to Chris about his symptoms, the psychological toll COVID-19 has had on him, how his perspective on the virus has changed personally and professionally, and what surprised him about living with coronavirus. So Chris, when did you learn you tested positive for COVID-19? It was June 30th. I um, had actually been feeling ill. Well, not ill, but just like not quite right for about a week. And I never really thought it would be coronavirus because I mean well first of all I didn't know how that felt you know I know what a cold is I know what the flu is but I didn't know what that was I just felt tired and I put it down to um, you know just a lot going on in the world and a lot of stress and anxiety in people's lives including mine and I just but then a week went by and I woke up and I was like man something's not right so I heard a rumor that there was um 30 uh, sorry 15 minute rapid tests across the bay in Daphne and uh, I went across there waited in a line of about 15 people they take your name they put you in your car and then they give you like a button and the button um, vibrates when it's your turn then you go into the clinic and then they do all the tests Um, and then you sit in your car for about an hour and then you get your result so yeah that's that's how it all went down and that was June 30th. Well, and so when you said something's not right, what exactly did you mean? Like, what what was the feeling? Well, about a week before 
that on say like around june the 23rd i woke up one day and i had like achy bones right and but it lasted a day and it, it was gone and i just felt like fatigued that was the overwhelming feeling but i didn't know that that was coronavirus i mean i'd done some reading about it but i i wasn't aware that that was like one of the the big symptoms so for about a week i just felt really tired and run down and then um I think I started talking to some nurse friends and they were like, no, you should definitely go and get checked. So I, you know, I just, I went and did it and they said, you're positive. Um, so that's, that's, that was the initial feeling fatigue and, uh, you know, an achy, achy body, if you like bones, <laughs> achy bones. Yeah. And so you described your testing experience. Was this nasal swab? Was this a saliva test? How did it work? Yeah, they took a little uh, nasal swab and they, I I mean, I heard rumors about how far they put that thing and I was a bit worried because I'm just not into that, you know? And in fact, nobody is, let's be honest, but I was really not delighted about having that thing put in there, but they didn't go too far at all. And it was, but it did kind of make me gag and want to sneeze and it was pretty unpleasant. And then um, a couple of days ago, I did another one just, you know, just to, see if I'm still positive or not and this guy who uh, happens to be a friend of mine that thing touched like that went so far back that it, it kind of like it felt like it was touching something near my ear that's how far back it went and then he pulled out real slowly and he had to leave it in place for like 15 seconds so it just sat there and I would so when they say like when people joke that you know they're going to swab your brain I mean it I mean yes it feels like that have you figured out how you think you may have contracted it? Yeah, I mean, I probably am guilty of not being as cautious as I should, I should have been. I've certainly been following all the rules presented to me by the state, the city, um, and listening to CDC advice. And I think, I mean, I had a, two friends that got engaged and they wanted to have a little thing. So they, they had it in a bar, but the bar is kind of indoorsy, outdoorsy. And I and I decided only to stay for an hour. Just, you know, I, I know that might sound arbitrary to some people. Like, you know, you're going to get it. You know, it doesn't matter if you're there for five hours or an hour, you're still there. But I stayed an hour and then I left in the hopes of avoiding any kind of infection. But unfortunately, that's where I think it happened because a sister-in-law that was there of a friend of mine, she, she tested positive like the next day. So we think that it it kind of came from her. So, but that that's one of the frustrations with this thing is like it is a mystery. It's a mystery in the way it operates. It's a mystery in the way you get it. You just don't know, and it is frustrating. You know, people love answers, and unfortunately, when it comes to this thing, there are just very few answers. So you just have to kind of live with that. And so we hear all about contact tracing, and you have a pretty decent idea of how you may have contracted it after you tested positive. Was there any effort on the part of doctors or anybody else to talk to you about where you had been, who you had been in contact with? Did they tell you you should contact anyone you think you have been in contact with? Uh, yeah, they certainly said, you know, try to have a good think about who you've been around recently and and, and um, contact them. But there was no, like, there wasn't any evidence of anybody collecting information to kind of join the dots, if you like. I thought that we'd be at that stage by now. I know that in Australia and some other countries, they rolled out some contact tracing apps. 
a good while ago that have been very successful. I mean, it's up to you if you want to download it in those countries, but most, well, not most people, but a lot of people did. And it's been helpful, you know, to kind of find out where these threats are coming from. And, and for some reason, I haven't seen that here. And I'm, and I'm confused why, because, you know, this is like the tech capital of the world in, in a lot of ways. And I'm, you know, but no, there was uh, no, no effort to uh, take kind of information like that. But they did tell me to contact people. And so you mentioned June 30th as a date. And so now we're more than 14 days past that. How do you feel now? How long has this lasted for you? Yeah, well, like I said before, I think I was sick for about a week. Because the reading that I've done, it's usually like day seven, day eight, day nine onwards, where you start to feel the worst. So I can understand how people might miss it, you know. So it was a probably around... It turned out to be like really just the the next day after I got tested. So is that July 1st or <laughs> that's when things got really bad for me. And it was a good four, five, six days uh, of feeling really, really awful, like and just not being able to move and, any, you know, that kind of thing. And then really slowly, almost unnoticeably, it just starts to lift and you start to get your energy back. And, and I also didn't eat for the whole time. I mean, I, I was trying to like force shakes in myself and, you know, I bought like little treats or whatever. Like I really like brie. I'm not supposed to buy it because I just eat it all in one go. So I thought I'm going to, you know, how am I going to stimulate my appetite? Well, I'll buy some of the things I really like to eat. Even that was difficult. And before I knew it, I'd lost 15 pounds. So I've put, since put five back on. But uh, yeah, it the, 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 the ill feeling came probably about, I would say, day eight of what I think was day eight of having this. And then it lasted a good five or six days of just feeling really bad. Yeah. Thankfully, you weren't ever hospitalized, correct? No, no, I was never that ill. But the one thing that I would say to people is, you know, there's been this talk about this being a, a, a kind of a, a light flu or a bad cold and all this kind of talk. And it's that's that's purely only relevant to the symptoms that those that the flu and the cold also have there's just things that you're not ready for like there's there's just an intense feeling of be, of being ill i mean i don't know if this if this uh, virus messes with your like serotonin levels or your dopamine levels but you you you're in the dumps like you're you're in a pretty dark place in some case and I, and i've spoken to people about this they said yeah i felt almost depressed in some ways and my anxiety was up and other people don't experience that but I've definitely spoken to people that do and, and the, the virus ebbs and flows it comes and it goes I mean I didn't have fever but I know some people had fever and then it would go and then it would come back and it would go and it would come back with me it was just this constant ill feeling with uh, just not feeling good about yourself and all this kind of stuff and that's definitely something to consider so when people say this is just a light flu or a bad cold i mean it's not that's not accurate i mean it's worse than that it really is and how have you treated your symptoms have you is it just a wait and see thing have you taken any medicine over the counter or otherwise now they I didn't have a cough, but they tried to give me this kind of cough steroid stuff and I just didn't bother taking it because I didn't have a cough. But yeah, rest, drinking a lot of liquids, 
Um, and one of the things that I did that really helped was, you know, I was reaching out to family and friends back in Scotland and Australia, New Zealand, where I have family. And uh, that really, really helped. It lifts your spirits. You know, you're hearing from them. It started a flow of communication. That, in, you know, for, I had friends I haven't heard from in years contacting them and some family. And it's been really, really nice. In fact, I've come out of this, I would say, and you know, feeling better than I went in. You know, I'm 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 and having a better connection with friends and family than I did previous to this. So if you're willing to work with it, you know, you can turn that you can turn that that negativity into a positive thing if you're if you're willing to do it. And um and I have to say that was really nice and it continues to be nice. I'm I'm fine now, more or less. A little bit tired, but you know, I've reconnected with family and friends and I think that's something really good that's come out of this and and also a better understanding of myself you know I don't want to sound too dramatic but that's just the way it worked out for me Chris you've covered coronavirus for months now since the beginning and yeah. you, you would often go out into the field for first person reporting on the beaches in barber shops I spoke to you months ago and I asked you about the risk involved with what you do and back then you said it was just part of the job and I just wonder has that perspective changed at all now that you've gone through this? Um, not really, because I always, I mean, maybe I'm wrong about this, but I always felt like journalists are the ones, I mean, of course, there's other jobs that take risks, but I always felt like in journalism, we take, we take, we do take risks, but we, you know, we take measured risks. I mean, I was in the, the British Navy for four years. You know, I know how to do a risk assessment, a very quick personal risk assessment. Like, what are we getting ourselves into here? And I've always done that. And I certainly do believe it's part of the job. Um, I know some people don't think it's part of your job to take those kinds of risks. I still think it is. I'm certainly going to be more careful. But th there might be another part to it that's kind of personal. I'm, I'm kind of have less regard for myself than other people. One of the, I'm one of those types. <laughs> and, you know, going down there to report on the beaches and the barber shops, and even going into the, the, the protests. And I was in big huddles of people protesting at one point. I just felt like that was my duty, right? I mean, how else are we going to get those valuable stories and that valuable perspective unless you take the risk? And, you know, that, that's not how I got sick. I got sick doing a personal thing. Possibly, we still don't know. But I, you know, likely got sick doing a personal pursuit. So I still I still believe that that's, that's our job. And, um, yeah, very strongly still. I mean, there, there's journalists go off to war zones all the time. And, you know, I, I, yeah, yeah. The answer is I still believe that, yeah. <laughs> I just wonder, you know, because there's still so little we – know about this novel virus and you spoke to it a little bit just now but what anxieties did you have when you were covering it was it ever something that you were particularly fearful of catching no i never had um, anxiety about coronavirus initially the anxiety that you get is kind of in the midst of it um, if that's what you meant the thing about anxiety is it can just spiral out of control and suddenly you're ruminating on something that literally has nothing to do with what's happening to you. I mean, I'm sure people are not that interested in what I was feeling, but you know, you start to have feelings about, you know, just have you been neglecting your friends all these years and your family and 
have you been saving enough? <laughs> you know, you, all the all the normal regular feelings that people have in, in everyday life about, you know, have I contributed to my 401k enough and all this sort of stuff? Uh, what You know, why haven't I bought a house yet? They're, they're, all these things kind of triple down on you and then other things pile on top. I mean, it's a very, I'm sure people listening who do suffer from anxiety can relate but that, but for some reason, this virus, and maybe it was the fact that I was isolated and by myself and not in my normal routine, that everything just kind of piles on top of you. But the great thing about that is it allows you to identify the things in your life that do give you anxiety, and then you, you've been given an opportunity to solve them, right? In everyday life, I mean, we're so distracted all the time with how busy life is, you kind of forget some of these things. And so the way I'm looking at it is, okay, now I have a, a list of things that I can work on in the future and try and resolve. And, you know, and, and honestly, the list of things that I thought about when I was sick were was really, really just went on and on and on. And, um, yeah, it was it was weird. And, and like I said before, I mean, I've got friends all over this country who, who had similar experiences. And, and I would – and I'm sure it will be decades. Before, I mean, we're still trying to work out – how the virus works in a physical way and i'm sure it'll be decades before we work out kind of the psychological elements of it but that's how i felt for sure just for the sake of context chris what is your age i'm 36 <laughs> oh yeah I had a, sorry i had a birthday during all this as well so oh right on happy birthday um thank you do you have any if, if you don't mind sharing any underlying conditions that worried you about this um, I don't have any underlying conditions, so that perhaps was something to do with me being so um, casual around in the initially, you know, going out and doing the reporting, continuing, well, when legal, continuing my kind of regular life. Um, but yeah, no underlying conditions. Gotcha. And my last thing for you, Chris, I think it's so interesting how you've spoken to, like you said, the psychological aspect of this, which I don't think a lot of people on the whole are thinking about quite so much. I think we're all more focused on the physical toll that it takes. I just wonder if anything has surprised you about the disease now that you've had it. And everyone is different. So anyone who contracts the virus may have a completely different experience than what you have had. But what do you really want people to know about living with it? That it's not just simply like laying down and, and you're going to recover. I mean, there, there's now there's now evidence that shows that there's long haulers, people that can have this for months, months at a time, that it can go on for 100 days plus. And I think I found that surprising, but obviously that came from my research. The other surprising thing that you mentioned was that it affects everybody differently. Well, here's one thing that did surprise me. I listened to Chris Cuomo's video of him saying, I'm going right, to fight so this. Here's what I've learned. Here's the secret to kicking this virus. It's not a pill or a potion. It's about your will and devotion. The virus wants us to lay down. The virus wants us to take it. Other than the blessing, he did say, he said, I don't want to sound like Rocky, but, you know, you, you know, there's things you can do. In his opinion, this, he's not a... a medical professional he thought that if you could go out and walk around or even cycle that you could like somehow flush or keep it maybe out of your lungs and get and get rid of it well when I had enough energy I was at, I actually started walking in the evenings and I found it extremely valuable like I came in 
and felt much better about myself, about my illness, everything. So that was one of the big surprising things is, I guess, that Chris Cuomo was right. Like, and, and obviously, maybe if, you're, maybe if you can't even move, maybe if you're so sick, that's a different matter. But if you're like the majority and you're in that kind of area where you just feel ill, get outside and take a walk because it, it did help. So that was, I think, one of my most surprising things, yeah. Great. Well, Chris, uh, I'm so glad you're feeling better. I hope you continue to get well. Thank you so much for sharing your story. Thanks, Ben. I really appreciate it. If you or anyone you know is affected by coronavirus and want to share your story, please email bflanagan at al.com. That's B-F-L-A-N-A-G-A-N at al.com. For all of our coverage on the outbreak and how it continues to impact Alabama, visit al.com slash coronavirus. If you like the show, please rate it and write a review. Thanks for listening.